0: Hello and welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with Delia Delore, the show that explores the impacts of commonly used phrases on our world's diverse cultures and how people's use of them shape our perspective on the societies that we live within. Today's metaphor is, stand on your own two feet. And I'm sure you've heard that expression many times before. Probably it was used to encourage you at times when what you really wanted was some support. But looking back, I hope you can say that it was said as an example of tough love. My guest today is Carol Pike, who has been called the Queen of Sparkle. And when you hear her story later, you'll say that it's an understatement. Knowing I was going to interview Carol, I caught up on what she's been up to. And especially living in these COVID-19 and its traits times, I thought it must be very difficult for her trying to cope, essentially alone after having two major strokes, which just changed her world completely. And that is why it's so important that we listen to other people's stories and also appreciate our lives. I have to say that over the years, I have not celebrated my birthday. I know many people do every single year. But I always believe that I don't celebrate it because I'm not always with my children and my grandchildren. And to me, it's a really big part of celebrating my birthday. And I wouldn't tell anyone. I would uh, go to work, do the same old things, and no one would know that any day was different. But in researching Carol and seeing what COVID is doing to all of us, I thought that it's an important time for me to acknowledge that I have reached another year of my life. And another thing is that my mom is suffering with dementia, so she doesn't even remember me, but she tells me she loves me. It's very heartbreaking when someone you love, someone who brought you up, can look into your eyes and say, I don't know who you are, but I know I love you. And so I should cherish those moments that I have with her and cherish the day that she gave birth to me because she... Even though she doesn't remember me, she knows that I am connected to her. So... I hope everyone wishes me a happy birthday. Yes, it's today. So I don't want anyone to feel sad about what I've just said because I'm actually feeling happy that I'm still on this earth and I still have my mom here with me. So listening to Carol, talking to her before the interview, listening to her interview brought back so many things for me in terms of growing up and taking life for granted. So please say that you'll stay with me and listen to what Carol has to say because... When you hear stand on your own two feet, you are going to look at it in a different point of view, in the point of view of you are being supported, that you are strong and that you can achieve what you want to do, and only you can do that. So, with a big smile on my face of recognition and of love, and know that you're listening to me, let's start the show. Our first exploration into the metaphor stand on your own two feet. Starts off from a place you would be familiar with as a child to understanding that it has not really changed as you become an adult. It's hard to pinpoint the origin of this week's idiom, standing on your own two feet. It seems so ingrained within the English language, which makes sense as it's not hard to guess how it came about. The expression is closely associated with coming of age. We may initially think of a baby holding its parents' hands and standing up for the very first time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're standing. You're standing all by yourself.
0: This early milestone leads on to so many others. A teenager getting their first part-time job or a grown child leaving home to begin their own journey. Reaching these milestones differs across the world, and the ways in which we celebrate them does too. You may have heard of the lavish Quinceaneras in Mexico, which celebrate a girl turning 15, or the lesser-known Rumspringa, an Amish event formed to solidify commitment to their unique lifestyle.
1: We are the Amish. You know us as the people who don't drive cars, who favor long beards and wide-brimmed hats and enjoy barn raising. But you've almost certainly never heard of rumspringa. In our language, rumspringa means running around, and for some, it's the most critical time of their life. Before being baptized into the Amish church, rumspringa gives Amish teenagers a chance to visit the outside world,
0: trying out activities that are normally forbidden. Standing on your own two feet is a phrase that implies independence and it is often linked to economic autonomy. Hundreds of years ago, this freedom from your parents was gained through marriage. Then, after the Great Wars, came the birth of the term teenager as the Western world went through an economic boom. Cars became more accessible, parents began earning more and formal education became law. A new generation of not-quite-adults, not-quite-children swept the world. In reality, this was a lucrative opportunity for marketers and youngsters to find themselves through the clothes they wore and the music they listened to. Here's a news clip from the 50s titled, It's the Age of the Teenager.
2: Lady Lotion, what do you think about our teenagers?
1: I think they're splendid. And I'm delighted you've asked me that question, because I sometimes think they get rather a raw deal. Well, why? I've met very many teenagers up and down the country when I've been travelling around and I've been always particularly struck by their enthusiasm about everything by their new ideas I like the idea that they wanted to wear gay clothes and it is in this country ideas that we certainly need and I think that after all one must remember the extraordinary things that one's parents and grandparents did all their latest crazies which seem to us just as extraordinary now I'm always very bored with people who say Oh, young people aren't what they were in my day.
2: (laughs) Teenagers, guys and dolls, can be trained in a few weeks to earn 8 or 10 pounds a week. The shops know it, so every town has a store with teenage departments, thriving on giving the young people the fashions they demand, distinctive teenage fashions.
0: As you heard, older teens started working too, which allowed for a generation to seek economic independence from their parents. However, in recent years, it looks like younger generations are taking longer and longer to leave home. And I know a lot of you are shaking your head because you know what I'm talking about. It's getting harder to gain the autonomy, but not impossible.
1: Struggling to buy a house, paying off that student loan, having to work longer. Let's face it, millennials have got plenty to worry about. In fact, most young people think they're worse off than their parents. So what? If your parents are richer than you, that's not totally surprising. I mean, they have been working and saving for longer. But are young people today doing worse than their parents' generations were when they were young? Well, in terms of wealth and housing, yes, they are. Studies show that the average wealth of young people has been going down, but there's more to it than just young and old. So what has changed? The average person born in the 1970s had built up a net household wealth of around 53,000 pounds by the time they were 30. But if you're a bit younger, born in the early 80s, well, that figure would have dropped to just 27,000 pounds. Now, a big part of the problem was the economic crash in 2007 and 2008. That put a strain on everybody's finances, but millennials were hit especially hard.
0: Finding economic independence can be a challenge for many. In the Victorian era, a time that had a certain fascination with understanding human autonomy, the world saw the rise of the travelling circus, and more specifically, the freak show. Bear in mind that Darwin's Origin of Species was released during this period, a book which drew into question the understanding of the human form. The error also saw a rise in other types of scientific exploration from the invention of anesthesia to the analysis of fingerprints in forensics. New areas of science emerged which have since been deeply explored such as psychology and psychiatry or debunked such as the controversial pseudoscience known as phrenology. The study of the human skull in relation to our mental traits. Freak shows or sideshows. shows allowed the Victorian public to see the mysteries of the human being for themselves. As a 21st century audience, we often look back at these shows and cringe, understanding how exploitative the circus life could be. You may think of David Lynch's The Elephant Man, and the way in which Joseph Merrick was abused and ridiculed by his employers and audience. And I remember looking at it in those days and laughing. I really didn't understand the consequences. At first, I didn't think it was true. I thought it was just a film that you just make fun of. And I remember being at school, people would be hunching their backs. so if you punched your back, they would call you the Elephant Man and so on. Poor Joseph Merrick was ridiculed by many people who didn't really understand who he was or why he was the way that he was.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, the terrible Elephant Man.
0: However, this level of exploitation was not always the case. Sideshows could provide opportunities to those with mental and physical disabilities to earn their own living during a time in which they were hidden away from society. The performers often saw more mistreatment by their audiences than their employers as they were looked upon as creatures rather than people. Employers valued the big crowds a sideshow would bring and in fact these acts could often be the top earners within their troops. We can see an example of this in the well-loved musical, The Greatest Showman, which tells the story of P.T. Barnum, founder of the famous Barnum and Bailey Circus.
2: You must be Gertrude Strand. I'm looking for your son.
0: I don't have a son.
2: The hospital record says you do. Charles, right? Age 22?
3: Charles!
2: Charles! P.T. Barnum, at your service. I am putting together a show and I need a star. You want people to laugh at me? i they're laughing anyway, kids. I might as well get paid.
0: In that scene, Barnum is attempting to contract Charles Sherwood Stratton, or General Tom Thumb, as he was more commonly known as. The general was an American dwarf who, unlike in the film, was hired at the very early age of five. His parents had taught him how to dance, sing, and impersonate celebrities, to which Barnum leapt at the chance of putting him on display. The general toured Europe, performing for royals such as Queen Victoria herself. He amassed celebrity status, with crowds mobbing him wherever he went. His wedding hit front-page news, which prompted a reception with President Abraham Lincoln at the White House. And when he passed away at the age of 45, 20,000 people attended his funeral. Looking back, using today's standards, General Tom Thumb would be considered a millionaire, by the amount of wealth he amassed during his lifetime.
2: I see a soldier, no, a general, riding across the stage with a sword and a gun and and the most beautiful uniform ever made. People will come from all over the world and when they see him, they won't laugh. They'll salute.
0: At the end of the day, standing on your own two feet, can mean something different for everyone, whether it's getting the bus to school on your own for the first time or finally buying that home to settle down into. Unlike the general, you don't have to become a celebrity to do so. Growing up is all about finding independence in different ways and enjoying the freedoms that come with it. And it also makes you remember the times when you were so afraid and your parents or someone would say, why don't you just stand on your own two feet? Remember those days. And now as an adult, see it as a positive thing that was said to you, especially in the times when you were afraid. And of course, as I said earlier, I suppose you really wanted support then. But regardless, you did it at the end and you must have found out it would have been, hopefully, a positive thing for you. On two separate occasions, a stroke threatened to stop my guest, Carol Pike, in her tracks. She says she seemed to bounce back, but I say she strikes back. With a master's degree in marketing communications and CEO of Words That Deliver, and she'll tell us about that a bit later, She is the perfect example of living life on purpose, constantly rising above challenges. She could have easily chosen the metaphor, life is what you make it, as she is a shining example of that. But instead, she chose stand on your own two feet. Carol, there is a reason why we've asked for you to be the guest on today's show. they no, you're a guest, so I'll just tell you. It's because it's my birthday.
3: It's your birthday. Yeah. And I it's just my want- birthday tomorrow.
0: Oh my gosh, you see? And I just wanted someone wow. who I admire, someone who I've watched during the years, someone who I didn't particularly like. This is my blood sister, I know her very well, but I feel it, I feel it, I feel that if I had an issue, if I had a problem, I had news to share, it doesn't matter whether I've spoken to you yesterday or five years ago, I can pick up that phone and I can call you and I'll say, oh, guess what? So that is the main reason why you are on the show today. Wow apart from all your accomplishments <laughs> I needed to I needed someone who I I admire and someone that we could oh. you know be open and honest because there are a few of us who I can truly say you know when they say they're open and honest they are you know mm. so thank you
3: yeah, No, but thank you what a wonderful birthday present thank you so much yes, for both me, of us tomorrow. Yeah. Yes,
0: definitely so let's get on with the questions. Now, many people who know you would agree with me that there is something so wonderfully unique about your smile. Have you ever been told that before?
3: Yes, I have been told that on numerous occasions and even more so now. And what's really interesting about me and my smile is that I can only think that I must have got it from my mum. Because one of the things that my mum always said to me was smile and let the world wonder what it is that you've been up to.
0: Oh, that's a different take on
3: things. And so that kind of whole element. But I quite literally smile all the time. And one of the things that I've discovered since this whole stroke journey is that smiling isn't what I do. It is actually who I am. Because I have got, I've got pictures with me, oxygen in my nose with a smile. I've got pictures in the back of an ambulance, lying on the hospital bed. And there was a, a time where... I think it was the Stroke Association, asked me to send them two pictures, one with me smiling and one with me not smiling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep, I failed miserably on the not smiling one (laughs) because quite literally, I smile in the face of adversity. I just smile.
0: And I'm sure that that smile has really, you know, given you a lot of the strength that you have because, you know, they say smiling is healthy. So everything that you've been through, I'm sure it's, it's helped you along the way. But for those listeners who don't know, Carol Pike and what Carol Pike has been through could you give us a crash course on (laughs) who you are what you're doing and you know you've spoken about a stroke what happened
3: okay right well I'm Carol Pike and I am the personal brand storyteller I quite literally think in stories and so I help individuals and entrepreneurs to stand out and sparkle by unlocking the value in their story so that they can have a greater impact and influence in the world. I am a two time stroke survivor and I am proudly saying that because actually two times it tried to take me out and I won. The the second stroke was in 2019 and I have no major memories pre-February, 2019. I have got um, some processing challenges. I have partial facial blindness so there are people that I've known for all of my life that I will look at and tell you I have never seen them before and so I liken myself in some ways to how I think a baby must feel when it was it's born into an unfamiliar world it doesn't know how the world works and it has to learn how to operate in it it feels a lot like that because so much of the world I'm not familiar with But having said all of that, I believe in God and I am a child of God and I'm standing on my faith. And what I have discovered is my experience and expertise and all of the value that I bring to the table, that hasn't disappeared. The core essence of who it is I am, is there all the time with me. So I may not have details of growing up. I may not remember being with my mum. I may not remember any of those things, but actually my expertise transcends all of that and who I am transcends all of that. So I guess that's kind of like me in a nutshell.
0: Yeah well you've done very well for in a nutshell because i've i've got the picture quite clearly well i suppose that will come through because you are a storyteller but how did you get the name's personal brand storyteller and queen of sparkle
3: well the personal brand storyteller essentially was was my decision that you know that when somebody asks you what's your role in in a in a, in, a, in a business or in your job and you have a title i decided that i'm 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 a marketing strategist and I'm passionate about personal branding so that's where is my focus is and because I'm a storyteller and for me the personal brand is the story you tell the moment you show up before you've said anything so personal brand and story kind of work together and I tell stories all the time so it was a, a kind of an easy connection that actually that's who you are yeah so owning that And the queen of sparkle is a really interesting position that i'm now in because when i'm talking about personal branding i'm now talking about helping you to sparkle more brightly and sparkle is i have a sparkle equation and it is know who you are understand the value you bring to the table and then show up unapologetically on purpose And it's interesting because this came, the Sparkle concept actually was birthed when I met Nelson Mandela. Yep, a little name drop there. Okay. (laughs) Um, But when, when he entered the room, it wasn't what he said, it wasn't what he did. It was just him that actually had that presence, had that impact. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is Sparkle. And so that was a a thought that I had. And then when I was in hospital, my first booking to speak in 2019, I was in pajamas in a wheelchair on a stroke ward. The person that booked me to speak, I had never met them before. They knew nothing about me, but there was something about me that made them feel that I would be really great to speak at their event, which I was fascinated at because they didn't know whether or not I could speak in front of people. In fact, to be perfectly honest, neither did I. But it was my sparkle that actually connected that. And then what's happened over the last 22 months is that every time it is I show up somewhere that people notice me. And I will say that people may not remember what it is I've said. They may not even remember my name, but they will never forget me and the impact that I had on them. And so that has now become known as my sparkle. And people have called me the queen of sparkle. People have referred to my sparkle. I don't even have to say it. People have referred to me in that way. So that's where it is that that's all come from.
0: Wow. Well, I can see that because just as I started with my first question is about that smile so the sparkle, the smile, it's not one and the same. In one way it is, in one way it isn't. But anyway, I, we can talk about this all day. <laughs> you, you, you've mentioned your strokes, you've had two strokes. Were they both sudden? Did you have any warning signs?
3: Well, we, we see the adverts and they talk about, you know, the, the fact that this happens and if this happens then it's a, a stroke. Well, I had none of those. My first one was in 2014. And I guess the indicators started, although I didn't know that what this was. It was I went swimming and I was trying to swim in a straight line, but I kept turning right. And I kept doing it and I kept turning right. And I thought, OK, this is weird, but I didn't think anything of it. That whole day, I kept dropping things and I spent the whole day trying to coordinate myself because I had an, an event to go to in the evening. But I didn't think anything of it. And then the following day, I was taking some people somewhere and the person in the passenger seat said, oh, that's a bit close. But I just thought it was just them. So I didn't take any notice. And then there were just kind of little bits and pieces that weren't quite in sync. But I forgot to say that we also have lupus. And lupus is a really strange condition where strange things happen. So I just thought it was another lupus thing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until... I was driving back from the the place that I was, and I heard bang, and the airbags deployed in my car, that I thought, hmm, maybe there's something wrong. But I still didn't understand what was happening, and I had um, driven into a parked car, and then... Um, I remembered a friend of mine had had an accident before. So I called her and she came and called the police and the ambulance. And it was only when I went to the hospital that my speech was slurred. In fact, the police thought I was drunk because they, they followed me to the hospital to do a breathalyzer because my speech was slurred. And obviously it was in the morning and I had run into a parked car. So there was little indicators for them that maybe this woman's drunk. And that was how it was that the the stroke was discovered. So in some respects, the car crash saved my life because I wasn't gonna to go to the, the hospital, so I wouldn't have known. So that was my first stroke. Oh, and I have to say the name of it because it always sounds like a swear word. I had a right frontal lobe infarct. Oh, yeah. That always makes me laugh because that sounds, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> sounds like a swear word. Yeah. And then I, I celebrated five years since that stroke in January of 2019. And then February of 2019, I thought I would have another one. And then this one, I had a headache for three days. I kind of ignored anything because I just thought it was a headache. And then it was a friend who had been trying to get hold of me that I finally spoke to on day three who said, What time shall I call you to find out what the doctor said? And I thought, oh gosh, they're going to keep pestering me. Okay, I'll go to the doctor. And I went to my GP and my GP knows me for, for a number of years and through my various challenges. And even though my blood pressure was normal, he said, I know you. Let's check this out. And I went to the hospital and it was an hour and a half later. My blood pressure was through the roof. They did a scan. There was a bleed on the brain. But even in that, I still wasn't clear that it was a stroke. And it was only when they blue lighted me to another hospital and I saw all of these doctors and stuff that I said, "Um, why am I seeing stroke doctors? And they said, Carol, it's a stroke. Yeah. Um, And then just to show you the way, which is I look at the world. So I've got a bleed on the brain. It's a stroke. I've been blue lighted to a hospital. When the doctor told me that, I remembered that only 15% of all strokes are bleeds. So I said, oh my gosh, I'm in the top set. I'm in the top percentile. And he said, Carol, nobody thinks like that, which probably about sums up my thinking is outside of.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. So there was nothing traditional about, about it. There was nothing. There were no indicators that actually said that this is a stroke, that it's happening. There were indicators that there was something wrong, but because I have an underlying condition, it could so easily have been attributed to that.
0: Yes. But were you generally healthy before both strokes, would you say? I
3: guess the, that whole definition of healthy is probably a loose one because I have a condition called lupus. Yes. Which is an autoimmune di- disease where your immune system is overactive. So I already had a kind yes. of a, a predisposition to being unwell.
0: Yes. Oh dear. Okay. I just don't know. You, you're just amazing because when you get news like that, <laughs> you don't put a smile on your face and you don't <laughs> become the doctor, you know, uh, immediately. Yeah, you know, happens overnight, you know, after you start studying everything. But, you know, um, earlier you said that you had um, no major memories pre-February 2019. How did you discover set, Discovered this?
3: Well, I think that the first time I thought that maybe there was something wrong was when I was in hospital and my mum didn't come to see me. And so it took me a while to work out why, why my mum wouldn't come to see me. And at the time, she'd actually been dead for 23 years. But I had no real, I, yeah, I, that was almost like news to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just little things like, I, when I, I remember the first time I looked in the mirror And I was in the bathroom with a nurse and I looked in the mirror and the the features were familiar, but I had no idea who that person was looking back at me. It was a very weird thing where I'm looking and thinking, I wonder who that is. And then I worked out it must be me because the nurse was white. And so I still wonder if the nurse had been black, whether my conclusion would have been something different. Yeah. Yeah. And And then I think, oh, yeah, I didn't know how to walk. That was an interesting one. And I would, the, the physios kept saying, you need to come on camera, you need to get up and walk. And I'm thinking, why? I'm in hospital, I'm not going outside. They take me to the bathroom, they bring me food, and they bring me drugs. So why would I need to walk? But they obviously, that's not the right way to think about yes. things. So I got up and I was walking, and I was so proud of the stroke brain shuffle. That's what I called it. I thought, oh my gosh, stroke brain shuffle, this is so cool. And then they said, Carol, you need to pick up your feet and bend your knees. And I thought, oh, wow. How would you know that? You know, like that whole thing about because walking at, at my age, you know, as, as adults is, 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 is instinctive. You just put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. But I didn't know that that's how you did it. And so it's a real interesting one that there's kind of so much of the stuff it is that's learnt behavioural stuff it is that we've learnt that's part of our um, kind of makeup because it's part of our history. Actually, I, I'm not accessing.
0: You know, you, you talk uh, very much about how, what you felt and uh, how you progressed, but I know this might sound a, like a very silly question, but we're open today. So did you feel scared At any time, all the time, some of the time?
3: (laughs) Well, the other great thing about not having any memories pre-February 19, fear is a learnt behaviour. So I actually have no frame of reference for fear, worry, anxiety or regret. Because actually I have no idea what it is it feels like. Because I don't know. So it doesn't necessarily mean that I don't have the emotions. I just don't have any labels to put on it. So I, I'm not scared. You know, I've
0: never thought of a stroke as being like that. that to me, that sounds like uh, bits of dementia, more than possibly
3: um I think that the, the, the thing about a stroke and that everybody needs to to recognize is a stroke is a brain injury and we've spent so much time looking at a stroke in the physical form so when we think of a stroke we think of somebody that's got a leg that doesn't work an arm that doesn't work a face that droops to one side they can't speak all of those kind of things but a A stroke is first and foremost a brain injury and the impact of the brain injury is oftentimes physical, but there is a silent side to the stroke. So the, the silent effects of a stroke that nobody is really talking about, that so many people are challenged with because personalities change. Um, they don't understand things, that they don't know things, they do things differently. But because everybody's seeing, well, it's a physical thing, your leg's better. So why are you acting like that?
0: just taking a thought a moment to kind of grasp everything that you're saying, you know, Yeah. like you say, we don't think of it in that way. Um, But anyway, looking at your Facebook posts, I see two main things, how you refuse to let your stroke affect your daily life and how much support you've had from your online friends. What's more important, their actions online or the friends, you know, calling you.
3: Well it's an interesting one actually because when it was that I was in hospital before I knew what Facebook actually was it was it felt like god saying actually just talk to them just share stuff just share the journey and that's what it was that I did and I was really amazed at just how many people connected and resonated with things it was that I was saying because for me I wasn't trying to impress anybody I wasn't trying to encourage or inspire anybody really I was just telling my truth and what it was that I learned or understood from that and so the support online has been amazing like one classic example was I went to Sainsbury's and um, they have motorized um, basket things. And um, the battery died. And the battery died and I was in an aisle. My crutches were at reception so I couldn't actually walk anywhere. And there was nobody around to help, like nobody. And I posted, on Facebook and just kind of basically said, cause this had happened once before, that this has happened again and this is crazy. And I'm kind of like sitting there and Sainsbury's need to get their act together and, and the like. And I posted a picture of where I was and I just put it up on, as a post. And somebody saw that and called Sainsbury's and because I put a picture up, they could actually tell them exactly where I was. And so they, people came and they helped. And that person has become a friend. We met up in Sainsbury's and we're in communication now. And so it's difficult to say that there is a major distinction, I guess, between the two because there are there's um, a stroke group that I'm part of, kind of a, a stroke family, on Facebook and that there are times when it is I've needed a hug and I've just said I'm having a rough time I need a hug and I didn't have to explain it Mm -hmm. I didn't have to say well this is what's happened I could just say it because they're all stroke folk so they get it and I would get hugs back and so yes so I so I think in some ways that I've got friends that some of them are online and some of them are physical
0: and you need them both
3: Uh, yeah and the fact that i've been in the house for 10 months by myself a lot of my interaction is actually online so even the physical friends are friends online because i'm not meeting up with people
0: you're very very strong lady i must say (laughs) but carol how does our metaphor stand on your own two feet relate to you and your story?
3: I think that it essentially means that if it's to be, it's up to me because nobody can want it for me more than I want it for myself. So in terms of navigating this whole journey, I have to get me up every day because there is nobody to do that. If I don't get up, actually nobody will notice because there is nobody in my house. There's nobody coming to my house and so therefore I have to be able to stand on my own two feet in relation to motivating myself and encouraging myself to do things and I think for all of us it's not that you do it on your own but it's actually the the kind of the key driving force has to come from within because people often refer to me as a motivational speaker and I don't think that I am and the reason I don't think that I am I would say I'm an inspirational speaker because I can inspire you to to look at things differently, to actually, to push through, to try harder. But that motivation has to come from within. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like, you know, you're a car and you go and you sit in a petrol station all the time and it's great and you're surrounded by fuel and that's kind of wonderful and yes, and you can smell the fuel and all of those kind of things. But unless it is that you put the fuel on the inside and ignite it from the inside, you're never gonna get anywhere, and so for me, that whole standing on your own two feet isn't about, um, you know, that whole thing. about you need to grow up. You need to do this by yourself. It isn't like that. It's more in terms of you are the captain of your ship. You are the one that actually orders, uh, directs your kind of steps. You know, I'm a woman of faith. I believe in God, and there's a there's a song that in it, it says, let Jesus take the wheel. And I had this really <laughs> crazy moment where I was in the car and I thought I thought about this and thought, oh, let Jesus take the wheel. And what it is is I'm, I'm hanging out with what I'm referring to as my three besties. So it's JC, Jesus Christ, H, the Holy Spirit, and Papa G, God. So we're quite literally walking and living and breathing together. So I'm in the car and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I could just give Jesus the wheel. And I heard quite distinctly, don't give me the wheel. I can't drive. You need to drive. And besides, Carol, if I was driving, it would look weird. Um, and so it's that kind of whole thing of standing on your own, own two feet. You can't wait for somebody to do something for you. You know, I can't wait for somebody to come and to help me to do this. I need to get up and start doing it and find the help I need along the way. So i that's what it is. That i think it means to to me and for all of us actually you, yes you can because absolutely everything it is that we need we already have on the inside of us and that 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 inner core because i would never have known that i was had this strength i would never have known that i had this faith i would never have known that this is me if the stuff hadn't happened. And I'm not saying that I'm happy that stuff happened, but from that I've discovered this. And so therefore I know that I have the makings of everything in me. I just need help to bring it to fruition. And so I think that that's similarly for all of us about recognizing that actually there is so much more to you than you've currently settled for because the core of you is so much richer and more powerful than you can ever imagine. Because look at how much it is that you have navigated. Even if you can't remember specifics, this is 2021. You made it through 2020. I mean, hello. You actually made it through everything in 2020, which says so much more about your character, your tenacity, your perseverance, your patience even. So you are so much greater than you thought you were.
0: You know, I think one of the key words you've mentioned there is settling. Mm. When people settle, they just settle for whatever it is that's that's around them and um, as you said, uh, it's unfortunate in a way that these things had to happen to you to kind of get those things out of you, but because I knew you before then, I have to say you always had that smile on your face, you were always mingling, you know, networking. And even though the chips were down at some stage, because that happens to all of us, you still had that smile on your face. So I think, you know, bless your mom. She obviously, and again, on your Facebook page, I see lots of quotes from your mom. She's been very influential in the way, of course, the way you were, you know, raised and the way that you are right now. So even though she may not be physically bodily hair, she's mm. still there with you yeah. helping you pushing you
3: and of course your faith you know yeah. so yeah.
0: What, would, yeah. what would you
3: sorry did you want to respond to that yeah i was just going to say it's, it's back to that whole thing where i believe that we have no control over the hands we are dealt so i will never say to you that oh my gosh this is really great because actually it's not but we can always choose how we play the game. And I am playing this game to win. For me, the stroke is a very key part of my story, but it's not the story. This isn't where it is that it ends. Mm-hmm. And all the stroke for me says is you, I always know my starting point. So I always know that I need to factor into the equation that there are these challenges, Carol, right, whatever it is you're going to do, you need to factor that in. And I think for all of us, wherever it is that you are on your journey, all it is is a starting point. And whatever it is your dream, your hope or your aspiration is, you can only get there from where you are now. It isn't where it is that you thought you would be, where it is it you'd like to be, or you should be, or where the other person is, or the other person says you should be. You can't get anywhere from there. You can only get there from where you are now. You know, it's a bit like me saying to you, um, I need to get to Birmingham. Can you get me um, some directions, please? Because I get a bit confused with all of the, the stuff. And you're saying, oh yeah, no, I'll do that for you. And the last time we had a conversation, I was in Victoria. And so you're going to chart the course from Victoria and the, the, the directions are going to be amazing. They have taken into consideration any challenges that I might have along the way. Wonderful. But I'm leaving from my house so I can never follow your directions to get there because I'm not starting from there yes and too much too often in our lives that we are using somebody else's directions to get to a destination and wondering why it is that we are falling short when we were never starting from there in the first place own where it is it you are it's neither good or bad it just is and move from there
0: well that's uh, extremely inspirational Carol, how can people get in touch with you if, today, right. especially nowadays? You know, we've been in lockdown. So much has happened to us.
3: Right. Well, on I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I am on Twitter, and I'm on Instagram as Carol Pike, and that's C A R O L E, P Y K E. You can follow me on social media. Send me a direct message. I am I I actually work with people one-on-one and group work around helping you to develop your personal brand so that you stand out and sparkle which essentially is where it is the magic happens because possibilities and opportunities exist all the time they're not they don't suddenly appear all that happens is that you are positioned to see them and to take advantage of them and I help people to do just that to position themselves for opportunities and possibilities so that they have greater impact and influence and then income because we are all influencers you don't have to have 600 million people following you on social media I'm not saying that that if that there isn't value in that but I'm saying that actually the fact that you show up and that you share and you connect and you engage with people you are already influencing your world And my thing is about when it is that you enter a room, it should be different because you were in it. That leave your sparkle footprint as you leave. And I can help you to do that.
0: Well, Carol, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, You put that sparkle on my face today. Just you know, thinking about you, thinking about your words. Um, I'm so glad that I know you. I, I really am. And um, I wish you a happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't know that, it's amazing. I wish you the best of of birthdays. And um, wow, I follow you on Facebook a lot. I like things, but I think I'm gonna have to start commenting now. I think it's a lot (laughs) of us who do that, even though we don't comment, we are aware. We are aware. And I think it's uh, one of the things that I said I wanted to do um, starting the new year, give reviews. Um, especially when it's small businesses because I know that small businesses are kind of really you know they depend on our reviews, and also you know comment when I see things that are worthwhile commenting upon so Carol thank you so much for spending this time with us oh well thank you for spending your birthday with me yes
3: (laughs) have a great rest of the day
0: Uh, I'm hoping
3: to yes no don't hope the other thing i want to say is that hope is not a strategy It's the wind beneath your sails but actually it's not a strategy so it's the actions that we take
0: yes madam queen <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right.
0: Yeah. now let's try a more literal approach to this week's metaphor get ready to breathe think back on all of your amazing achievements I guess there's so many that it's hard to remember them all. What about your earliest achievements? When you were a baby and you first stood on your own two feet? When you brought home that first piece of art Mine was literally standing on the tip of my toes after months of practicing ballet, only to find out later that I could have bought the shoes with the blocks in them. But I remember then how pleased I was that I was able to stand on my toes, even though it was so painful. Maybe that's not a story of independence, but it is really because I managed to achieve doing what I wanted to do without wearing the proper shoes. Although there are many ways to interpret this week's metaphor, let's start with a literal approach. Practically standing on your own two feet, kind of like me, something most of us take for granted. If you can, stand up now and feel the earth beneath you. Or you can connect to the ground beneath you with your hands, back, neck, whatever it is on your body that you can touch something solid. Take this time as a moment to yourself. Go on, do it. It only takes a few seconds. Don't worry if anyone's looking. Take a deep breath in. And breathe out. Don't you feel different? A little calmer? It was only just a few seconds. But it's easy to forget that unless you are riding the ocean or some form of aviation transportation, or other such things, we are all connected to each other through planet Earth.
3: This is a perfect planet. Life flourishes here thanks to powerful natural forces.
1: Light from
2: the sun reaches us in just eight minutes, powering our living world.
1: And its daily and yearly rhythms shape the lives of every creature on Earth.
0: You may believe you share a connection through a spiritual energy flowing through all of us, or energy transferred by tiny vibrations in every particle of matter that makes up our existence. Or perhaps you believe it's something to do with the Earth being flat. Nevertheless, we are all connected through the ground below. We should metaphorically stand on our own two feet. You don't need to worry about other people's opinions. Having a firm stance for what you believe in will allow you to be an individual. As Loosie philosophised, care about what other people think and you will always be their prisoner. Here's some more words of advice from one of the most individualistic artists of all time.
2: But you never learn that until much later on i think but never work for other people in what you do always always remember that the reason that you initially started working was that there was something inside yourself that you f- felt that if you could manifest it in some way you would understand more about yourself and how you coexist with the rest of society and i I think it's terribly dangerous for an artist to fulfill other people's expectations. I think they, produce, they generally produce their worst work when they do that. And if The other thing I would say is that if you feel safe in the area that you're working in, you're not working in the right area. Always go a little further into the water than you feel you're capable of being in. Go a little bit out of your depth, and when you don't feel that your feet are quite touching the bottom, you're just about in the right place to do something exciting.
0: As David Bowie so aptly put, when we don't feel our feet touching the bottom, we are unable to stand on our own two feet. That is when we realize our potential to do something amazing. What do you think would push you furthest from your comfort zone and make you feel out of your depth? Certainly for a vast majority, it's standing up and speaking in front of an audience. I wish I could join you here, but I can't. That doesn't uh, phase me in the slightest. But mine is when a plane has just taken off and sometimes it's bumpy until it reaches its cruising level and it gets a bit more smooth. Well, all that time, I'm really doing a big pretending act. Anyway, your heart starts racing, your mouth dries, and your palms get clammy, which can be remedied by taking a deep breath and grounding yourself. And I do that, actually. I've learned to do that when the plane's taking off. I do breathe in. There's some beautiful apps that you can use, and it really does help. But sometimes that isn't enough. And we still worry about what other people will think, how they will react. And so we lack the confidence to stand up on our own two feet. This is when you must stand fast and stay rooted to your spot, And then that embodies the metaphor, stand on your own two feet. But what's worse than having everyone laugh at you? Come on, what's worse? It's when nobody's laughing and your profession is that you are a stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedy is one of the scariest career paths there is, followed closely by crocodile dentistry. But it can also be extremely gratifying. Conquering the fear of public speaking to connect with and bring joy to a room full of strangers must have a wholesome impact on one's confidence, especially when you learn that it doesn't matter if no one laughs.
2: But You know, you know what it is Dave, you've been a stand-up for many years and, and you, know, you probably get that question where people say, oh my god, you're a comedian. Well, What happens if you go out there and you tell your jokes and no one laughs? Mm-hmm. Nothing happens get paid the same you're not gonna die nothing bad happens so i i keep it all in perspective
0: there are many more parts to explore that derive from this week's metaphor and i would love to hear your thoughts via social media but as this week's episode comes to a close i'll leave you with my final thought stand on your own two feet even if it means stepping on someone else's toes i know that might sound bad but you've got to stand on your own two feet if it's something that you believe in. This is your life and you are entitled to stand up for your beliefs. And when you do that, you will be standing up for your happiness.
3: Thanks for listening to Metaphorically Speaking, created by Law Productions, with original distribution by Colorful Radio. This episode was hosted by Law and had segments written by Sabina Lalcopra-Garcia and Sean McAladdin. Script Supervisor is on a web. The show was produced by Sam Coward with production assistant from Odua Akasveni. The program was edited by Reese Bridge-Robinson and animation and promotional edited by Ernest Deneve.